2 Chronicles 7, starting in verse 11. I want to read our text to us, and then we'll, we'll jump in. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. So when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I've heard your prayer, Solomon, and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people, listen to this, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. This is the word of the Lord from 2 Chronicles 11. I want to give us kind of two big ideas to, to think about as we're working our way through this text this morning. The first thing I want us to think about is the offering that is presented to God from God's people. And so the offering from, from God's people. And the second idea I want to help us think about this morning is the offer that, from God himself. And so the, offer from, the offering from God's people and the offer from God. And so let's dive into the, the offering from God's people. You know, I was, I was thinking about how I just, I love a good surprise party. I don't know if you're like this or not. Um, man, I, I love the look on a person's face when they have no idea that it's coming. And, and they walk through the door and they see all the people there and they see all the food and they see all the preparation and they realize that every bit of it was done for them. Think about a few years ago, Dave, I don't know if you guys know Dave, he's the pastor over at the cannery and uh, he's been one of my best friends for a long time. And I remember he was, he was telling me about, he wanted to do this big surprise anniversary thing for his wife, for Sydney. And so it was their 10 year wedding anniversary. And so he, um, they got married at Scarrett Bennett, amazing venue behind Satco. You need to go visit both those places, Satco and Scarrett Bennett if you haven't. And, and so he, he, he said, hey, I wanna do this surprise. And so he filled Scarrett Bennett with all these people that, that loved Sid and that loved him and that kind of been walking with them. And, and I love the look on, on Sid's face when, um, when the doors were open and she was just straight ugly crying and, and she realized that all of this was for her. That all this people, that all these people and all this planning, that, that it was all to celebrate her. And I was just kind of thinking about that, man, that Dave was important in that, that he planned it and all the people there were important. But the reality is that the whole night, the whole thing was built around Sid. That if she's not there, it's not complete. That if she's not there, there is no celebration, right? It doesn't mean that there's not fun, but, but the whole night was, was built around the doors swinging open and her walking in in this moment where we're going, man, this is for you. I wanna give us some context into Second Chronicles. I don't know the last time you were in Second Chronicles. Maybe it was last night, but, but I wanna catch us up. It had been a long time since I'd been in, in this passage. So I went back and I read the first seven chapters of Second Chronicles just to, to kind of catch up on what was going on. And so there's this man named Solomon. And he was the third king, the third president, if you will, of the nation of Israel. And I love this in chapter one, he steps into office and one of the very first things that he does is he, as he steps into this new role as king, as the one in charge of the whole land. And I love it, that he goes to the place where the Lord is and he calls the entire nation to come with him. And it's there in chapter one where, where the, the nation of Israel and Solomon, man, they, they get on their knees and they pray and they call out to the Lord. And I love this, that from the very beginning, what you see in Solomon's heart is that he wanted God and he wanted God for the people around him. As you keep reading, what you discover is that Solomon has this just growing desire, this dream in his heart, that he wants to do something for God. And so he builds this, this temple. It would be this permanent place for the nation of Israel 
and for any foreigner who wanted to know God, that the temple would be the place that people could come to encounter the presence of God. And I love it as you keep reading through chapter two and three and four and five that the temple is is built, the temple is completed and they have this big ceremony where they're gonna dedicate the temple. And so the whole nation of Israel gets together and Solomon gets on his knees in front of the, the million people. Imagine this, if our president got on his knees and he called out to the living God, and I love this prayer that he prays in 2 Chronicles chapter six, and I love verse 40. I wanna give our attention to just one verse. He says, now my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attended to the prayers that are offered in this place. Here's why I'm starting here today. Solomon and the people of Israel wanted God. They wanted to be his people. They wanted to live in his presence. They wanted God in their lives. Their hearts were for God, and so they built this temple. And I want you to hear this. The temple in and of itself was a demonstration of their love and at the same time a request for the presence of God. The temple was a demonstration of their love and a request for the presence of God. And so here's what I mean. If you were to go back and read, what you discover is that God didn't tell Solomon to build a temple. No, this came from Solomon's head. This came from his heart. This was his creativity, his imagination, that this wasn't him walking in obedience to the commands of God, that God didn't say, hey, I want you to build this temple for me to dwell in. No, he was going, man, how can I create a place for for my people, for, for people all over the world to come so they can encounter the God that I know so well? I love that that Solomon understands that that God cannot be manipulated, that God cannot be coerced, that God can't be forced to do anything. And so I love this. He he understands that just because he's built this temple, it doesn't mean that God's gonna come and dwell there. That just because he's built this temple, it's not making God like twist his arm, being like, hey God, from now on, you have to come into this place. And we know this. We see the humility because he prays his prayer in verse 40. He says, God, will you? Humbly, God, will you, will you hear the prayers that are offered in this place? Says, when, when people draw near to seek you, will, will you meet them in this place? And I love this text because I think it's so relevant for the season that we're about to step into as a church family and fast forward. You know, nowhere in the Bible does God say, hey, when, I want you to take a, a month every year as individual church families and to pray and fast. You can look for that in the Bible. It's not there, trust me. And I think it's important for us to understand that that the reason that we're stepping into fast forward, the reason that we're stepping into the season of prayer and fasting is because we want more of God. We want to be God's people. We want to dwell in his presence. We want the people around us to know God. You know, the the hearts that, that we have for those of us who are Christians, they beat for God and we've built fast forward and fast forward in and of itself is a demonstration of of our love and a request for more of God's presence. This season that we're stepping into, I want to be abundantly clear, it is all about God. And it's all because we want him. This is us as a church family swinging the doors open at Scarrett Bennett and saying, God, this is for you. This is all for you. And our hope and our prayer as we step into this as a church family, across our church family here at Hillsborough Village and at Marathon and Cannery, is that as we, as we come into his presence to, to seek his face, to, to pray, 
that God would fill our hearts with his love, that God would fill our lives with his peace, that God would fill us with, with more joy, that, that God would give us wisdom and discernment. I know that so many of you are trying to, to make decisions about life and what's next. And I go, this is a season where we get on our knees and we go, God, would you help us? And our hope is that God would, would see this, that he would see this, this offering from our heart. And our prayer is that God will come and he will inhabit this season. We're not doing this season to impress anyone else. We're not doing this to, 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 to become better Christians. We're not doing this to impress other churches. No, we're doing this because we want to meet God. And we know what we know about our God. What I know about God is that if we will seek him, we will find him. I love that, that God says in verse 12, Solomon, I've heard your prayer. I've chosen this temple for myself. You know, the difference between Solomon and us is that, is that Solomon built this temple and he hoped that God would come and dwell there. And we're stepping into the season of seeking the face of God for more intimacy. And he tells us, if you do this, you'll find it. Right, this is what he says in Matthew 6. He says, if you, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, what will happen? The door will be opened. And this is us coming to our Father coming to our Savior Jesus, coming to the Holy Spirit and us going, we want you, God. God, we want you. I love the, the offering of the people of Israel was this temple. God, that this would be a place that the, the people all over the world could come and connect with you. This would be a place that we could have intimacy with you. And for, for the people of God, the temple was the offering. And, and for us in this next season, our, our offering is this season of prayer and fasting. But what I love is that the text doesn't stop here. It's not just about the offering of God's people. I want us to see the, the offer that's from God himself. You know, in many ways, First Chronicles chapter seven was the glory days. This was a mountaintop for the people of Israel. That all was well for the people of God in this moment. That God was first to them. If you were to go back and read the, the beginning of chapter seven, what you would see is that the people just had this amazing worship experience. And the presence of God was there and the people are on their faces and they're praising the Lord and they're opening their pockets and they're giving everything they can to the Lord because their hearts are connected to him. And, and for those of you who are Christians, think about those moments. Those mountaintop moments with, with God where, where, where God just is close. Think about those moments where you're locked in for him and it's not hard to live for him. And if you've been in a place or maybe you're in that place right now as a Christian, right? None of us want to move from that place. The ecstasy, the joy, whatever you want to call it, the, that when your heart is locked in with God, you never want to move from that place. And I think it's so important that we understand that, that God gives us this passage in the midst of, uh, of the joy, in the midst of the, of the closeness, in the midst of the intimacy with God. He says this in verses 13 and 14. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and will heal their land. And so for the people of Israel, this is a, a, a very familiar passage. That God back in Deuteronomy chapter 28, he made it abundantly clear. Hey, if you're my people, I'm gonna bless every part of your lives. 
You can go back and read this. He says, if you'll be faithful to me, if you'll keep my law, I'm gonna bless your bank accounts. I'm gonna bless your marriages. I'm gonna bless your womb. That the world around you is gonna see you and they're gonna, be, they're gonna know that you've been blessed because of me. But here's the deal. If you harden your heart, if you abandon me, if you walk away from me, he said, you're gonna have, your, your land's gonna be devastated. Your bank accounts are gonna run dry. You're not gonna have any food in your pantry. Locusts are gonna come and devour your field. Other nations are gonna come and destroy you and God lays this before them. And so when he says this in verse 13, I'm gonna shut up the heavens, we read that and we're going, what is he talking about? Because God hasn't spoken that to us. He spoke this to the people of Israel. But what this would have meant to them in verse 13 is, is God looks at his people and he says, hey, when you look at your life and you see that your fields have been ravaged and your cabinets are empty and your bank accounts are low, you're gonna know that you've walked away from God. And for us, he looks at us and he says, hey, when you wake up, Matt, and you realize that you're not where you want to be with God. And Joshua, when, when, when you look at your life and you realize that I've just been walking and, and I've, lost, I've lost my, my passion for the Lord. And Taylor, when, when, when you look at your life and you go, man, this is, this is not where I want to be with God. God says, hey, when you find yourself in a place where you're not where you want to be and you're far from God and you've walked away from him. Remember verse 14. And I think it's so important that we see this because it's God's heart for us. He knows that we never intend to leave the mountain. He knows that we, we never intend to, to move outside of holiness and intimacy and, and faithfulness, but he also knows how, ten, how, how it's our tendency to start sliding back down the mountain. And he says, when you find yourself sliding, when your heart is hard towards God, when you don't have the desire to come into his presence and worship, when you're finding it hard to be, to be generous, when you find it hard to, to, to stand in his presence and to worship him, you need to know that it's my desire for you to come back. And if you fail, I love, he says, if you'll humble yourselves, if you'll pray, if you'll seek my face, if you'll turn from your ways, I will hear from your prayers. Forgive your sin and heal your land. You see, God looks at us and he shows us his deep desire for us to be reconciled. He says, if you find yourself being far from God, here's the way back home. <laughs> because he knows how, how prone we are to drift from God. You know, one of my favorite things that my wife is doing right now, and I think it's so fun, I never would have had the thought to do this, but that's why she's so much smarter than I am, is that she's teaching our kids, um, teaching our oldest daughter our, our address and her phone number. It's like, why is that important? Courtney tells her, it's like, hey, if you, if you ever find yourself and, and, and you get lost, <laughs> or you're in Target and you get separated from mom, right? Or, or something happens, Here's the way back home. Here's the number you call. Here's, here's the address that you tell the police officer to take you to. This is the way back home. And this is what God is saying to us in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you find yourself and you're distant from God, here's your way back home. If my people who are called by my name, and I want you to hear this, the, the very beginning, even, even this passage to the people of God is an invitation to all people. People who are called by my name, this is an invitation to anyone that wants to be associated with Jesus. If my people who are called by my name, who wear my name, if for anyone who is not ashamed of Jesus, 
But anyone who would look at this, who would look at this life and go, yeah, I believe that Jesus died and that he rose again and that three days later he came out of death. I believe that, that my forgiveness is contingent on his death. I believe that I have forgiveness, that I have salvation because of what he has done for us, for anyone who would believe in this, for anyone who would believe in Jesus, for anyone who wants God, God wants them. And if you come here today and you go, man, I think I've done too much. I think I've gone too far. Man, I, I want God for anyone who wants to be in God's family. The invitation is open. He keeps going for anyone who will humble themselves. And I love that, that humility is the opposite of pride. In this context, God is calling us to be people who, who, are, who willingly own up to our failures, who come before him and we say, God, I have sinned. I'm sorry. I've done wrong. You ever notice how hard this is to do? Maybe in your house churches or with your friends or the person you're dating or with your spouse, how hard it is to come to them and say, I was wrong. The thing that, that marks people of humility is that, that you have a soft heart, that you are open, that you are receptive to the Spirit's work. You know, one of the things that when, when Court and I have a disagreement, when we, when we get at each other, right, the, the Spirit is always working towards reconciliation. He's always inviting, Brandon, lay down your pride and go say you're sorry. And the same is true for those of us who are Christians, that the Spirit of God is always calling us back to the Father. That he's always calling us to come back into his presence and, and, and to say, God, I've sinned against you. If my people who are called my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I love those two lines, pray and seek my face, because what is, what is happening here is that God is revealing his relational nature to us. He says, if you realize that you're far from God, if you realize that you're not where you wanna be in life, he doesn't tell us to go do a bunch of things. He doesn't tell us to go to the, the National Rescue Mission and to serve and to give you know, 30% of, of what we're making. He doesn't tell us to, to be nice and to clean up our language. He says, no, pray and seek my face. He says, come back to me. Do any of you guys struggle with prayer? I think it's hard to do. You find it hard to, to sit in his presence and just to, to open up? Man, for a long time, and, and even now some days, it's, it's just hard to do that. It's hard to come into his presence. But the more you do this, the more you realize how much you have to talk to, to God about. The more you come into his presence, the, the, it, it's like this growing fire. The more you realize that you want to talk to him. There's this lady in our house church, and I don't know how old she is. She's in her 50s, maybe 60s. And, um, and it's amazing that, that I thought I was doing good. You know, I'm a pretty disciplined person. I'll get up and I'll spend time with the Lord. And, and she starts tell, talking to me about her prayer life. And she says, yeah, you know, I'll get up and, and I'll spend two or three hours with the Lord every morning. And it's still not enough. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you spend how long doing What? And I realize that she has something that I don't yet have with God. That she has learned that, that where the people of God are made to be is in his presence. God says, if you find yourself far from me, he says, pray, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. You know, this is beautiful because it's repentance, but it's a, a relational repentance. You know, I would never be okay if if court came to me and said, hey, you know, I've been having an affair with this guy and I want to be married to you, but I want to keep this fling going, right? 
Like, it's not just enough to, to own up to what we've done. That didn't happen, by the way. Just so you know, just <laughs> complete clarification. Jesus is completely faithful. And, and, uh, but we do this with God. We come to God and we say, man, we're sorry. And the reality is that we are sorry. But we keep tagging along these wicked tendencies. And I don't know what those things are for you, man, but I was, but I was just confronted with, with some of these things in my life. As so I've opened up my prayer journal, and I'm going, man, God, I'm struggling right now with, with pride and with jealousy. For lust after things of this world. And I see my heart, and I'm just disgusted by it, like, and I know we're all like this, right? And God says, it's, it's not just enough that you come into my presence and you acknowledge. It's not that you're humble enough. He says, I want you to turn from those things. For whatever those, those wicked things are that you don't want anyone else to know about, the invitation from God is, hey, lay those things down. Turn from them. And God says, if you will do this, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. And so I want us to hear this. We have to understand this through the light of Jesus. That we're not the people of Israel, that this isn't a direct correlation, that, 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 we, that we have Christ. We have to understand this through his presence and his work. And so the reality is that his death on the cross has fully paid the price for our sin. That Scott, you no longer bear your sin. That, that when, when God sees you, he doesn't see you for your sin. It's been completely wiped away. Because of the death of Jesus, Audrey, that you are completely blameless in the front of the presence of God. Because of his death, we are forgiven. Because of his resurrection, we have new life and new hope. And what this means is that we don't live perfect lives when we become Christians. I've not met a Christian that once they were, were filled with the Holy Spirit, once they went down into the waters, I've not met one Christian who, who came out and said, hey, I've, I've been blameless ever since, Right? I've not met a Christian that never stumbles. What this means is that, is that we wear Jesus's righteousness and we have God's forgiveness. And so that when we do stumble, when we find ourselves turning back to our old sinful ways and going back to those old patterns, when the enemy does trip us up, we're not worried about God destroying us for our sin because Jesus has already been destroyed for our sin. No, instead, we humbly confess what we've done. Why? because we want to be faithful and we want to wholeheartedly be devoted to the one who died for us. The one who has been so faithful to us, the one who has never left us, the one who continues to keep the door. All of you. Well, I don't want you and, and for you to have this side fling. I want your whole heart. I want every part of your life. And it's so beautiful that that because of Jesus, we have forgiveness. Because of Jesus, we have, 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 have life. We have his righteousness. But it's not just that. That, that when, a, when a Christian really grasps the forgiveness of God, man, the land around us is blessed. Our coworkers and our spouses and our children, man, they, they reap the blessing. Because we're walking as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're walking as people who will inherit heaven. We are, we are walking as people who have been forgiven and found when we were at our worst. And it means that we are, are fully prepared to go to the hospitals that we work in and the schools that we find ourselves in, the homes that we live in, because we have what this thirsty world is looking for. We found it. We know what it is.
the offering from God's people for us in this season is, God, we're gonna come before you and we're gonna seek your face because we want you. And the offer that's on the table for us from God is, hey, if you'll seek me, you'll find forgiveness for all those sins. If you'll seek me, the people around you will find blessing. So here's what I wanna invite us to do. I wanna invite us for the next few minutes into a time of reflection. I'm gonna give us a few minutes just by yourself. And I want you to to answer just a couple of questions. The first question I want you to think about, and and Ben is gonna play some music, and so we're gonna create the atmosphere for you to have a really encounter with God. But the the first question I want you to think about is, is what is God saying to you today? Did something challenge you or encourage you or convict you? What's God saying to you through his word? Maybe you go, man, I, I want to be a part of God's family or, man, I need to confess some sin or I need some, some support through some brothers and sisters that will just pray for me. What is it that God is saying to you? Why don't you take a couple minutes and just to think about this. I also want to invite you in the, in the quiet time just to, to begin to, to start thinking and praying about what fast forward is going to look like for you. And, and I doubt you're going to have an answer today. You're probably not going to come away with everything that you want today with, with what fast forward is going to look like. But, but start thinking, start preparing yourself. Hey, God. How can I participate? How can I fast? What does this look like for me? And then after a couple minutes, I'm gonna get back up here and I'm gonna dismiss this to, to go and take communion. And during communion, if you feel comfortable, I'm gonna invite you to, to, to gather your chairs, to gather with the people that you came with, to gather people that, that, that you are here with and, and to share. To share what God was speaking to you today, to share what you're gonna do about it. You don't have to do this. If, if, if you don't feel comfortable sharing with the people around you, that's totally okay. We think it's best, though, that, that when the church is participating. So if you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. Close your eyes. Keep praying by yourself. Keep asking the Lord. But for those of you who do feel comfortable, after a time of, of reflection, I invite you to share. And so I want to I just pray for us and, and invite the Lord to really speak and to really search our hearts for the next few minutes. And then I'll dismiss us into communion. So God... Thank you so much for today. Through your spirit, Lord, bring to mind the things that we need to think about, things that you're saying to us. God, so we just invite you through your spirit to search us. For those that don't yet believe in you, God, would you speak to them? Would you call them home? And so, Lord, yeah, we give you the next few minutes to speak to us, to guide our thinking. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.